What's up, everybody? Welcome back inside the horseshoe for the Monday after Michigan 45, Ohio State 23. Uh, Wait, first, time, you know, the sun always comes up, right? No, I haven't seen the sun since Saturday. Uh, when I went into the press conference with Ryan Day, I came back out and the sun was going down. I haven't seen it since. And I haven't that either. tells you that, that uh, even Mother Nature, like Andy said before the show, a little, little gloomy today, uh, the Monday after uh, Michigan 45, Ohio State 23. One of the most stunning scenes I've seen in the horseshoe in a long time, maybe ever. Tim, you can speak for this, but hearing the the Let's Go Blue chants rain out as Michigan yeah. was taking a knee, uh, the flag plant that was undeterred. I saw a lot of former players react to that. We're going to get into all of that as well as um, some agreements, disagreements on some things, um, whether we had personnel failure, coaching failure, or execution failure. Those are the three things Ryan Day hammers home. That's the 40-year vet Tim May. That's Andy Backstrom. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Fellas, let's get into it. Um, Tim, the rewatch was probably not uh, as uh, okay for Ohio State as maybe we even thought. I, I was more stunned on the rewatch than I was watching in real time. Uh, what say you? Well, like you, the stuff you just pointed out, to the victors go the spoils. That's exactly what the post game was all about, you know? I mean, uh, what these ex-players think, Ohio State was finally going to get out there and fight them, you know, after the game. It was a little bit too late. Uh, just, it was, a, it was, you know, we're going to debate what the first half was all about, I'm sure. Second half was all about Michigan. The second half was all about Michigan, just like the year before. The second half was all about Michigan with the season on the line, with it, with everything that was on the line in this game, including a trip to the Big Ten Championship game and uh, a certified, probably, berth in the college football playoff. Ohio State is still in there swinging. We'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point in time. Uh, they, they need to really start root, root, rooting for uh, a couple of upsets, but definitely one over the week or this coming weekend. But bottom line is they got outplayed, outcoached. Uh, and I don't know which one goes first, outplayed or outcoached. When you don't catch it, when you don't tackle a guy on a uh, on an outlet, quick outlet pass, desperation outlet pass on a in a in a blitz situation. And instead of tackling him for a 10 yard gain in a first down, he goes the distance for a touchdown. I'm not sure if that's on the coaches or the players, uh, on blitzing when you don't need to blitz, maybe, or whatever. You know, there are all kinds of ways to debate everything after it happens. Bottom line is, in the second half, Ohio State came out leading 20-17 to 17 and scored three points and gave up how many? Uh, 28. Four touchdowns. Yep. Uh, they got their butt kicked at home. And like I said, to the victors go the spoils. Andy. The penalties. We didn't talk about them that much in a rapid reaction. They stuck out to me in the rewatch. Yeah. Nine penalties for 91 yards. In this game last year, they had 10 penalties. I mean, in a game like this where you need to be more disciplined than ever, it hasn't showed up back-to-back -back years. To me, that's part of that's coaching, but part of that's also just player discipline. We talk a lot about toughness this year. To me, toughness isn't just about getting that extra yard. It isn't just about fighting through injury. These guys fought through injury. Tommy Eichenberg's out there playing with two casts. Lathan Ransom's got a cast. These guys are tough in terms of the physical standpoint. Mental toughness, though, you can't check out when you give up one back-breaking touchdown or two back-breaking touchdowns. The defense seemed to just kind of give up a little bit. I mean, Donovan Edwards was practically untouched on those two touchdowns at the end of the game. That's just unacceptable. So in terms of the toughness component, I think it's mental toughness. You can't have that unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that G. Scott had. Totally unnecessary, headbutting Michigan safety Rodmore. I mean, that hurt them big time. Set them back 
25 yards because they already had the holding penalty. <laughs> and, you know, they gained 30 of those yards back, and that's where they could have gone for it on fourth and five. So three false start penalties, two defensive pass interference penalties, two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. You just can't have that in a game like this. Three false start penalties in your own building. That's what we're talking about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's that's discipline. And, they, you know, Ohio State showed a lack of discipline on those pass interferences. Ohio State showed a lack of discipline um, on a coaching side of, like you said, Tim, sending an all-out blitz when you had Michigan made uh, there in the first half. Yeah. Uh, you know, that I think that's getting greedy. Uh, maybe well, that's just yeah, a, but, I mean, um, you're sitting all-out blitz and then your guy gives the guy a cushion to make the catch and then misses the tackle. Who's at fault there? Did the player give too much cushion? Well, you know what I mean? There are all kinds of things, but yet, you know, coaching finally comes down to getting guys in position to make plays. No, it comes down to getting guys in position and making the play. And, you know, so it always falls back on coaching in one form or fashion, you know. I'm, I just wanted to clarify that. And that's why I said – I'm not sure know, I did. But. That's why I said in one of my one of my two columns at LettermanRow.com that this wasn't a loss on Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, C.J. Stroud, whoever you – this was a program loss, just an absolute program – I'll use it, the word. It was a program failure. And you, you're undisciplined – in key moments. You're aggressive when you don't need to be. You're conservative when you should be aggressive. You're, uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, subtly shifting blame elsewhere after games. You're talking about how one game doesn't define this season. Sorry, it does. And that that's the reality in this building is 106,787 hit the exits early. Most of them, maybe a thousand stayed around for Michigan to watch uh, the celebration. But this was a, a program failure and, you know, coaching, execution. Um, there were some scheme issues on de defensively that I saw on social media from some, some people smarter than I uh, the day after. Yeah. That's, that's just what it is. And so now Ohio State has to go back to the drawing board. Last year, at least, you could point to, okay, you're not tough enough. How do you get tougher? Well, physically, you know, even on the rewatch, Ohio State dominated the first half physically. It picked up third and short. Yeah, it gained tough yards. It was running the ball really well. Michigan it led had, at halftime. It Mich counterpunched every time Michigan punched. It counterpunched. Michigan had ten rushing yards at the half. Ohio State uh, was handling itself up front. I don't know what happened in that locker room, but it should never happen again in an Ohio State they ate locker room. Bad oranges or what? You know, bad orange slices. Who knows what happened? Yeah, they didn't come out and do what they said they had. I mean, Bobby Bowden had this great line. Whenever he was leading a game in the locker room, when they were leading. Uh, he would say, all right, we're going to go out there and score points. And he would turn to the defense and goes, okay, guys, they don't score in the second half. We win. You know what I mean? You're yeah. up 20, you're up by three points and going out for the second half and you give up 28. That's a failure, failure defensively. No, no doubt about it. This new scheme, which looked really good for, well, pretty good for 11 and a half games, got its teeth kicked in in the second half of this game. I'm talking about the new defense. And then offensively, the Heisman Trophy, you've got the Heisman Trophy big-time candidate who who they win this game comes out of this leading, in my opinion, over Caleb Williams, who's now the leader because of the way USC is finishing. But uh, you had him sitting there. He throws for over 300 yards in Ohio State scores. How many touchdowns? Yeah, two. two. Ohio State scores two touchdowns. But with their Heisman Trophy guy throwing for over 300 yards, there were moments in this game, and we'll talk about it on third and fourth down situations when they could have gone for it and maybe taken control of it, and they were timid. They were timid. It was almost like it was almost like watching Ryan Day play a little bit of trestle ball. 
okay, our defense will take care of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All back. And well, the defense didn't take care of it. Yeah. And, and and looking back, there are all kinds of things you can. After things have happened, you go, well, they should have done this. They should have done that. They should have done this and that. But you should have gone in with that attitude that you know we're playing offense, man. We're going after it. And how many times did you see Ohio State really throw the ball down the field? Once they scored yeah. a touchdown. Yeah. How many times? Now they got a great they got a great defensive call on that third safety for the first time all day came flying up and it was one on one, Marvin Harrison Jr. versus their corner, and that little this little just one of the more perfect passes you're ever going to see and great routes run by Marvin Harrison Jr. for that touchdown to put them back in the lead. And if you watched over the Michigan bench, Michigan bench was going, oh crap, you know what I mean? There's Marvin. I mean, we had you know they had just I think. Anyway, at what point in the game, because all the scores kind of get mushed up right now, it's like a mush pit. But the bottom line is, they had dis, they had disheartened Michigan because Michigan thought they had them where they wanted them, and boom, right on the lickety split, right down, right down the, right down the uh, the field. So there are all these chances for Ohio State to take control of this game, and it didn't. And you can call it timid coaching to a certain extent. It was. You can call it over aggressive defense at certain camps. Yes, it was. But this is what happened in this game from a defensive standpoint. Hosty thought it had to thought it had to stop the run and could play uh, patty cake with their wide receivers or with their receiving core. One on one, I mean, that didn't work because they stayed in the game with some ridiculous plays of guys getting one on one coverage where a couple of times the coverage didn't even happen. And you know, and and, and then from then on, wow, Michigan just got its host. JJ McCarthy played a hell of a game and uh, made that run when he had to each time that was critical to keep drives alive or to score a touchdown. That was power quarterback left. That's all that all that play was. And, you know, Ohio State got outplayed at the quarterback position in this game, mainly because of the way Michigan let their quarterback play. And Ohio State stayed in man-to-man the entire game. Yeah. Knowing that what was going on on the back end, it stayed in man-to-man the entire game, trusted its defensive backs. I got a little excited there. That was that's all right, Tim. Uh, I'm going to shift back to I'm going to shift back to the offense a little bit. That's why we give you a podcast, Tim. Uh, I'm going to shift back to the offense for a second because you said timid, Andy. I think you'll agree with me. Timid coaching is running a screen to pardon, you know, no offense to Xavier Johnson at all, but to Xavier Johnson on third and three rather than being aggressive. Timid is on fourth and two. You throw to to a covered Cade Stover rather than using the wide receivers that you have at your disposal. Uh, Timid is obviously the fourth and five when C.J. Stroud, your quarterback, says, I got this coach and you don't trust him. That's timid coaching. And, you know, a lot of people have been very, very critical of Ryan Day in the last two days. And I understand that maybe this is beating a dead horse and, and piling on that. But in this kind of game, in this setting, with everything that was on the line, he was outcoached. And... Now, we, Ohio State, as an offensive staff and, and as a program, has to reckon with that. Yeah, and I might add, Timmy Coaching is maybe also not playing Dallin Hayden as much as he earned the time the week before. I'm I mean, this is a guy. By that one. Yeah, he runs for, what, 143 yards in the second half against Maryland, three touchdowns. No fumbles. Half. No fumbles. And every time Ryan Day has talked about Dallin Hayden this year, he's got to protect the football. He's got to protect the football. He must have a terrible fumbling problem in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center because that can be the only reason I can think of why we're not seeing him on the field more than we have been. And think about it. In a game like that, look, fine. Chip Trey played well. He had 14 carries, 83 yards. There's nothing to 
you know, complain about that. He played well for a guy who switched over to linebacker, came over from Arizona State. But I will say, who's to say that Dallin Hayden wouldn't have ripped off a touchdown or two? You know, that could have been the difference in the first half when you could have had a chance to pull away and you didn't and you let Michigan hang around and then you go into that second half and get absolutely whooped. So, you know, I think that with the Dallin Hayden thing, that to me is timid coaching because you're not trusting a guy that committed here, that signed here, that has proven that he is talented as a true freshman. I mean, you got to give someone like that a chance, even if you have seen ups and downs in practice, he's delivered in games. And I think you need to reward that. Otherwise, guys, check out. I can think of three different plays, Andy. Uh, there were two where a hole was hit by Chip Trainum, who, again, played well. I'm not putting this on Chip Trainum whatsoever. I thought he played well. I think Dallin Hayden hits a hole a little harder and maybe breaks into the second level and gets you at least 10 more yards, maybe takes one to the end zone. You've got the, the crack sweep or the, the pitch play on, I think, third and four from around midfield, where maybe if you give that to Chip Tranum, I know Cade Silver missed a block there, and that, that's, a, that's another issue that we're probably going to have to talk about at some point was, you know, throughout this season, that's just something that happened. Uh, maybe Dallin Hayden hits that corner and, and gets that first down and you extend a drive and go score. I, I completely agree. And I wasn't trying to set you up with the Dallin Hayden point, but that is just another example, like you said, of timid coaching that, that you, can't, you can't have in a game like this, especially when you've got hey. a coach on the other sideline doing the aggressive things that he's doing. Hey, they had a former linebacker playing at running back, and he throws a pass. I mean, you know, you go with who you think is best for the situation because they're, they're, the coaches are watching, the, are watching the practice a lot, hell of a lot more than we are. Yeah. Just like, just like uh, <laughs> Andy's saying, though, wow. You know, Dallin must have a ball security uh, problem, although he hasn't had in games at all. He's been zeroed in. And uh, I thought Chip Traynham played well on Saturday, considering we hadn't seen him play running back. Yep. And uh, just, I don't know. That, that was an odd first. Matter of fact, if you think about it, that was an odd first possession by Isaiah. Xavier Johnson got a carry. Uh, Mayan Williams got a carry. Chip Traynham got carries. High State got a touchdown, you know, clickety-clack right down the track. I'm talking about the opening the drive opening of the game, yeah. and you're kind of going, wow, man, this Mechag Buka, you know what I mean? I mean, everybody was feeling really good. Tim, I, I even I mean, said – I mean, High State had a good plan going in, but when things got neutralized, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just kind of odd to think that it's two years in a row now uh, – a team that was so good offensively, for the most part, everything's average. You could look at any lull in anybody's season and go, "What were they doing there?" You know, like in the windstorm at 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 Northwestern, which now everybody's saying was the harbinger for what happened Saturday. You know, Ohio State took the lead Saturday. Uh, they were playing fairly aggressive offensively. They were up at the half, and then in the second half, got just outplayed and outcoached, just like the year before. That's the thing. That's what we ought to be zeroing in on is, like you said, what happened at halftime? Do they need to change uh, the their Gatorade or whatever their energy drink is? What did they do at halftime that took them out of this game? Or did Michigan step up and kind of change its plan? Yeah, Michigan I, stepped up and changed its plan. That's what was great. When you talk about outcoast, it's like it's not just calling a play on a certain down. It's like you had your guys ready for that competitive stamina part of the game of the season. Harbaugh had his team ready for that. Well, for the second straight year. That's why that was stressed 
all year by Ohio State was competitive stamina, which means finish the job. Michigan did and Ohio State didn't. Well, I'll tell you this, Tim. It was very, very apparent at the, during the first drive of the second half that Michigan changed its game plan offensively. Well, yeah. uh, went, they- from, went from running the ball and uh, – hitting over the top shots when with play action to just running the spread option because they knew Ohio State wasn't going to adjust because Ohio State had shown the tendencies to continue to do what it was doing if it was having success didn't yeah. really adjust and so Michigan did made a massive uh second half adjustment on offense then you flip over the other side of the ball I don't I don't feel like Ohio State really adjusted in the second half as far as offensive game plan yeah. it was more of the same uh that's why we saw again uh Quick throws to Kate Stover, quick throws and and runs to Xavier Johnson, Chip Tranum in the backfield, uh, C.J. Stroud. You know, I thought he played well, but but didn't change anything in the second half. Those are the coaching things, like you said, Tim. That it's not just, you know, what did you do on a third down that set up your fourth down? What did you do that didn't get you a first down? It's what did you do for that twenty five minutes at halftime when everybody's expecting you to adjust. Michigan's shown a propensity to adjust with its two def- with its offensive and defensive coordinator, two new guys, by the way, uh, this year. They, they've shown that they adjust really well. Ohio State knew Michigan was going to adjust really well, and Ohio State just simply didn't adjust. Yeah, and plus Michigan's got a, a former NFL coach, just like they did last year, former NFL coach at, at defensive coordinator, Yep, who knows how to make these swings on the fly. And uh, that's been the difference the last two years is the way they've gone about uh, – I don't know what confusing is not the right term, but just maybe uh, confusing is the first thing. Confusing Ohio State's offense, taking away what Ohio State wants to do, or at least seemingly doing that. And that's that's a former pro coach going against a former pro coach who, who Ryan Day was, you know, for a couple of years in the NFL and stuff. And there's something to that, in my opinion. Confounding a team is 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 is, is almost as uh, uh, effective as going up and smacking them in the mouth. Yeah, and. Uh, Ohio State just didn't didn't feel comfortable in its offense. That's why they didn't go for it on that fourth and five after they fought back from that what what was it first and thirty five? What first you, and thirty five? You did the math for me that day, yeah. Andy. First and thirty. Yeah, they got a fourth and a manageable fourth and five. Hey, go for it midfield. You know what are you going to lose? You know, except the game, I guess is what they're thinking. And uh, I just I just think the out coaching part of this can't be overlooked. Yeah, when you go from first and 35, you scratch and claw your way back to fourth and five. If you pick up a first down there, that's pretty demoralizing for a Michigan team that had you. No, that you got a first and drive alive. You're going to, I mean, to me, one of the plays of the game was the defensive pass interference call against Ronnie Hickman when Ohio State got snookered, but the guy's open in the back of the end zone. Ronnie Hickman goes right up to him and he's bodied up on him like this. Thanks, Tim. And, well, I'm just trying to show people I didn't go like this. I'm just bodied (laughs) up on you. And a ref could have let that go because I don't even know if that pass was catchable when you look at it on replay. Many times, the guy did touch the ball. It was Ronnie. Was it Ronnie Bell? I think. Yeah. Anyway, he did touch the ball, but that's about it. And that was a pressure reverse call that gave Michigan instead of kicking a field goal, new life at the two yard line. And uh, what a couple of plays later is when JJ McCarthy kept on that power, basically power quarterback sweep, cut inside for a touchdown, which I thought was a real backbreaker. I mean. I don't know. That sequence My is My mind's bit- wandering, but the point is, it's not like Ohio State quit playing. It's just things happened as the game went on, which you go, oh, shoot, there's another cross to bear. You That's, know what I mean? That was the difference between 27 to 20 and 20 and 31 to 28. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, 
there's been a lot of talk about this safety tandem of Ronnie Hickman and Lathan Branson. They've been very good at points of this season, especially Lathan Branson of late. But it's just not great optics of the whole thing. Ronnie Hickman kind of declaring for the draft for this game. Yeah. Then, you know, Lathan having the injury last week, not playing as well. This week against Michigan, Ronnie not having his best game. Other safeties not playing well either. We talked before the show about Cam Martinez just having a rough go of it. I think he played four snaps, and, and one of them he got completely turned around in coverage and gave up. I think that was the one to uh, Colson Loveland. No, that was uh, that was the second uh, Cornelius Johnson Cornelius deep ball. Cornelius Johnson, yeah. they all blend together. Talk yeah. about Colson Loveland was uh, Latham. Right. Talk about wide receivers that are going to go down in, in Michigan lore. You said that after the game. <laughs> I mean, Colson Loveland and Cornelius Johnson were guys that were pretty much on no one's radar aside from Michigan fans. I mean, even looking into this game, they had okay production, but they weren't jumping off the page. And I think that's just, you know, obviously they're on scholarship. They play for Michigan. But I think that that was just a lapse in, in defense. And honestly, they, they committed to stopping the run, and they did in the first half. They only let up 10 rushing yards for Michigan. So. That was the game plan going in, clearly, yeah. regardless of who was playing a running back. Blake Corum, their Heisman Trophy candidate running back, played one series. And, you know, regardless of who was in there, they were going to commit to stopping the run. And the, the defensive front did that. But at the end of the day, they did not give the respect to those receivers. Yeah, and this place, Donovan Edwards is a hell of a running back. Right. Uh, but, you know, the only question mark about him was how healthy was he going to be in this game? Because he's definitely a guy, you give him a step, he's gone. He nearly played here. I said you, that's I definitely know, a guy. But, but there, there's a guy, big time running back. But you didn't know, you know, he was one of those mystery guys. How, well, how much is he going to play, or can he play? He didn't even play the week before. He went, and uh, boy, you give him a step, and he's gone. I think he proved that twice. You know, in the semifinals and the finals of the seventy-five and eighty-five yard dash. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. That was just like that looked like last year, of guys just cracking to the to the line, linebackers getting them. It getting embedded into the into the mosh pit, and uh, nobody being home after you crack the line of scrimmage, uh, that was hard to watch. Yeah, uh, Michigan came into this building here with out their best player for most of the game, a new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, first time first year starting quarterback. Walked out here with a twenty two point win over Ryan Daniel Ohio State, and now the Buckeyes have to go back in no, time. Michigan came in here having completed only one pass of 42 yards. That was their longest pass of the year going into this game. They had three touchdown passes of well over. You understand what I'm saying? I do. They came in and said, what the hell? Let it all hang out. Now, like I said a while ago, a 10-yard pass that turns into a 71-yard touchdown or wherever that was, uh, that was just kind of like a little bit of luck involved. Uh, but the point is, they weren't going to stand there and just take it. They were going to do what they had to do to win the game and uh, flip the script to a certain extent. And that's what stood out. They put the ball in the hands of their quarterback, and their quarterback won the game for them. So, again, without your best player, new coordinators on both sides of the ball, and a an extremely, extremely aggressive head coach who was willing to do whatever it took in this building to walk out. <laughs> With a win, he walks out with a blowout win. Now he gets to go to Indianapolis, and Ohio State's going to be at home. Uh, need a lot of help from USC losing. Uh, that's that's step one. You got USC's got to lose. TCU's got to lose to Kansas State. I don't even know if you get in over TCU if it loses because Kansas State's a good team, um, and TCU already has a win over the Wildcats this year. 
I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe. That's a debate. I know one thing for certain. Ohio State has to root for Utah. Uh, the the counterpart from the Rose Bowl last year. If you don't want to go back to the Rose Bowl, you need Utah to go to the Rose Bowl by, by beating USC. We talk about how angry TCU fans will be if, you know, the first year of the playoff, they don't get in because <laughs> they're held back for not having a conference championship game. Now they get to the conference championship game, and if they lose, it might be the reason they don't get in the playoff. And Ohio State's and if on Ohio State's on the side again to get in over TCU. Yeah, that would be interesting. I think that's, I think if TCU gets beat, Ohio State's in. That's what I think. In my personal opinion, uh, I hate to to say this on a, a Ohio State uh, fan think fan side. Get beat. I think the the better chance is Utah beating USC, and I'm sure I'll be wrong. I, I'm saying this knowing who I'm speaking to, Ohio State fans. I don't think Ohio State deserves to be in the playoff. You just played in a playoff game. I'm I'm not a crazy about the 12-team stuff. You just played in a playoff game out here and got embarrassed at home. I don't think – I think the Rose Bowl is, is a – is where Ohio State should go. I think well, that's where – Let me where, ask you this. If you're the Rose Bowl and you're sitting there and you've got a you, – you had a hard time selling ticks to Ohio State fans a year ago coming off a loss. And you're sitting there again. Why does everybody think that's a slam dunk that the Rose Bowl is going to pick Ohio State when, in fact, you've got Penn State sitting out there that hadn't been there in a long time? Uh, I'm not sure that's a given. I think Ohio State's going to be in one of the New Year's six games. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who would like to see, I'm not sure Ohio State would or even Alabama would, like to see Alabama-Ohio State if, in fact, that's a consolation game somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure the Rose Bowl is as big a given as some people think, but that's just – that's just me speculating. I do, but if it's not, I wouldn't. I don't think Ohio State fans have much of an appetite either to watch Alabama's backup against probably Kyle McCord. Um, so you know, it, it it's kind of crazy. Well, that's what, that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's the dice you have to roll. You know, when yeah. you're, uh, I mean, uh, I think C.J. Stroud. If, if Ohio State's in a college football playoff semifinal, C.J. Stroud's playing. If he's they're not. I think he left a lot of indications that he probably would not be playing in a regular bowl game on Saturday night. So we'll yes. see where that goes. Yeah. But that's all speculation for the rest of this week and into Sunday when Ohio State gets its bowl assignment. Uh, wherever that is, Letterman Row will be. That's the 40 year vet, Tim May. He'll be there. That's Andy Backstrom. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Uh, further autopsy, fellas, of Michigan 45, Ohio State 23. Uh, the Monday after Michigan 45, Ohio State 23. This has been a great time to, to come together every Monday with you guys all season. We'll probably do this every Monday now moving forward because it's just such a fun time uh, to be able to talk about the Buckeyes on camera and give it to you, the people. Again, Tim May, Andy Baxter, and Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will see you inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center soon enough once we find out where Ohio State's heading uh, for postseason play.